Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark and with me as always, the guy who is generous enough to get me and friend of the show Cody Essman tickets to the All-Star Game, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Uh, Mr. Clark, I'm doing uh, doing rather well. Uh, my voice is a, a little scratchy today after um, multiple attempts to get Julio to hit more home runs in the second round. But um, other than that, uh, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, it has been a heck of a week here. Um, as I told you guys last week, I'm in Seattle. Friend of the show, Cody Essman, is in Seattle. We're here at the All-Star Game. And... Uh, we're shooting on Tuesday, so tonight is, you know, the big kahuna, the All-Star game itself. But it's been a heck of a week. Home Run Derby last night. Um, Playball Park has been phenomenal. Um, celebrity Softball game was fun. The Futures game was fun. Just a lot of events to take in and really makes it a almost a one-of-a-kind experience. No, it's been a super good experience. Um, feel like it's uh, you know showcased the city of Seattle pretty well, um, and uh, <clears throat> I feel like the number of people I've seen from out of state from everywhere else has been high, right? So it's really bringing a lot of people into the area, and it's uh, it's really been a ton of fun. How many baseball cards do you think you uh, took from the tops booth? How many do you think you ended up with? Do you know yet? Oh, well, Cody and I did buy a hobby box. Mm-hmm. I only I only walked out of three packs the f- with three packs the first time. I you know I venture to say like two hundred, okay, more or less, okay. more or less. Okay. Didn't get any hits, no autos. Cody got the relic out of our box, <clears throat> so gotcha. Um, but I, I think as a whole this week I've walked out with five six hundred baseball cards. So wow, well, good deal, good deal. It's been fun though. It's been good. It's, it's been good. It's been good. We've got a series to talk about this episode. You know, the Mariners did pretty well against Houston. But before we get into all that, I just want to take time to thank you guys for tuning back in, listening to the Forks Down podcast. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. You know, you've probably been with us for 20, 30, 40, 50 episodes, or this is number 52. Um, and if you're a first-time listener, hey, thanks for choosing us. You're picking up a, a, probably a fun episode to um, come in on because... We're going to talk about the Mariners Astro series right before the break, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we've seen in the All Star game. Um, well, not the All Star game per se, but you know the home run derby, the All Star experience. So, if you haven't already, go hit us up on social media. You can find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. Just search Forks Down Podcast. I think Bo, I I'm going to get us into Threads too. So, um, you know, we'll also have a Threads kind of a a Twitter. I don't know if you want to call it a knockoff, but. Uh, Once we do that, we'll let you know. And then if you haven't already, go hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. You'll get notified when we drop new episodes. Um, I think we're only going to do one this week uh, just because I will be traveling on Thursday and and Friday. So um, I think we're going to get everything in on this one and then um, come back next week and, uh, you know, have the uh, best overall show we can coming back into it. So... With all that being said, but let's get into Mariners notes. Um, there was only one this last week that was kind of the only one that was of significance. Um, Tommy Malone joined us in San Francisco uh, earlier in the week, got a spot start. Um, he got DFA'd right after the game, to no one's surprise. It happened last time. He came up and gave us a spot start, got DFA'd. Those, so this is the second time this has happened. But in his place, after he got DFA'd, Isaiah Campbell made a uh, made an appearance, and uh, I think he even got a, a game or two of pitching in um, over the weekend. But uh, kind of excited. I thought we'd see Isaiah Campbell at the start of the season. Um, it, it took until the All Star break, but uh, you know, just a cool story, and uh, you know, someone that could probably contribute to this bullpen that's been doing pretty well. Yeah, I know it's. Uh... Super good to see Isaiah Campbell. I feel like we've been talking about him for a while. 2019 pick, so he's been with the Mariners for a little while now. Um, pretty good story, and uh, I think kind of continues just this, um, I would say, uh, I want to say bullpen depth that I think the Mariners kind of keep developing and building, right? So 
We saw Isaiah Campbell. We saw obviously we saw Ty Odcock this year. We've seen uh, Juan Ten. We were, I think we'll eventually we'll also see Prelanda Baroa. So um, you know the Mariners have I think a lot of bullpen arms that they can kind of bring up when uh, when needed, especially with there's guys that are struggling or what have you. And Isaiah Campbell is just kind of another example of that. But uh, yeah, no, I think he had a, I think he had a strikeout in one of the games against Houston there, and his family was there. So um, very good story and uh, could be another potential good bullpen option for us I think going forward. So we'll see. You know, we're always talking about the starting pitching and kind of how much depth we we have there. And, you know, if you just look at the bullpen, you're like, God, this is kind of a ragtag bunch of guys. But these guys are coming up and, and contributing at the right time. Even Juan Ten, you know, he had a few uh, games where he came in and kind of got shelled. But there was other games he came in, went one, two innings, and, and didn't give up a run, looked really well. So it's just really good to see that, you know, the depth is there for the pitching and that – you know, we've kind of got the the next man up mentality, and you know they it, it's leading to success. You know, at least pitching wise. So agreed, agreed. No, and uh, yeah, like I said, Ty Adcock, that whole group, I think, is all falls into that. And uh, you know, Prelander Bro, I think, will be another one that um, we'll be seeing soon. So more to come, more to come, more to come, certainly. But let's get into the Mariners National Series. Um, it's it's funny because Bo and I. Um, we've been having to catch up on games by other means, watching condensed games, um, looking at box score, stuff like that. And I don't think that's really doing it justice to what potentially was like the best series of the season. I don't think we could have went into the all-star break better. I mean, obviously, if the Mariners were able to get a sweep, um, that would have been like best possible outcome. But um, the Astros had to have, as, uh, as, as some people on Reddit put it, a Framber Valdez spot start to, to pick up a win. So, um, but the Mariners looked very well against the Astros and took three or four. Uh, took three or four, and um, this is kind of what I think you want to see when the Astros are the Astros are down, right? The Astros right now without uh, without Altuve, without Jordan, um, and obviously injuries to their you know starting rotation. Um, you just have to take advantage of. The, the opportunities for against especially teams that are down like that, and uh, the Mariners I think certainly did it in this series with some of our you know best pitchers lined up. So um, very good to see positive overall. And then I think you had guys in this series I think kind of starting off with with Eugenio getting two home runs and now him getting um, I think warmer as up as the season goes along. Um, there were a ton of positives in this series, and uh, yeah, I would probably call this next to the Rays if you had to rank this right of series wins. I'd probably put this more there just because it's the Astros, and we all know how we feel about the Astros. But um, I would probably put this as my probably my top one of the season next to the other one that they already beat the Astros with earlier in the season. So I'm all very positive for this series overall. I think it, it's, it's a positive look as a whole. I mean, yeah, it was one of the best possible outcomes we could have for the series. But, like, we're going in the All-Star break rolling, you know, and, and – um, <laughs> It was such a great stat to see because um, the Mariners before this series were 0-8 in games that would take them over 500. And over 500 means, you know, you're you're 42-42 and 42 and you pick up a win and it gets you over 500. They were 0-8 going into this series. They were 2-0 and coming out of this series. So we're, we're actually got a game up. We're over 500 finally, which is just a great look to see. <laughs> um, but let's, let's hop into game one here um, You know, we had uh, I, I'm going to start calling him the ace of the staff George Kirby going on Thursday And he ended up picking up a 5-1 victory um, Push him over 500 in his stats He's 8-7 and seven now um, But heck of a game from George Kirby on Thursday night uh, Six and two-thirds innings Six hits, one run, one earned um, did have one base on balls, but only one. Didn't have two or three or four. And three Ks. Um, he's bringing that ERA down. 3.09 now. Uh, 3.0, yeah. The ERA is going down, and um, he just uh, he's getting a better feel for it, seems to me, like all of his pitches. Like, I think in this game in particular, if you go back to, I think, the Savant feed, right? Um, Savant said he le- relied less on his fastball in this game, the four-seamer anyways, and more on that that the kind of sinker and the slider pitches, which is something similar also to what Logan Gilbert did, I think, in this series. So 
he's just he's just a complete pitcher. He just has all his pitches in his arsenal. That is just uh, it's just really good to see, right? It's just like what everything you want to see, everything we've ever said about George Kirby is just that this guy's dominant. He's everything you want to have from a pitcher, and this was no um, I think no different, right? I think he didn't get as many whiffs in this game, so I don't know if you can call him kind of as dominant of, you know, making the, the Astros swing and miss a lot, but, um, you know, limiting hard contact and really preventing them from one run, I think, is, um, you know, anything you'd ever want, um, and, uh, yeah, he's our ace, he's our guy, I was happy to, I was happy to purchase his jersey during the All-Star game, let's put it that way. It would, it was a great-looking jersey, it, it is a great-looking jersey, it's, it's nice, and I kind of wish I would have found one that was a little bigger that I could have bought, but, um, I think pitching as a whole, maybe... That was a good way to put it. Probably not as dominant. There wasn't a lot of whiffs. Um, you know, Kirby only had three strikeouts. The whole game, the pitching staff only had five, but that didn't lead to much of anything. Brash came in, pitched a third of an inning, had a strikeout. Munoz came in, um, pitched an inning, had a strikeout, did give up a hit. But both of those guys got holds. And then the Mariners were so far ahead that by the time they brought in Justin Topa, he went one inning. Didn't give up a hit, didn't strike anyone out, didn't give up a base on balls. He got through it, and the game was over. So pitching-wise, maybe not as dominant as it could have been, but nonetheless, it it picked up the victory. Only allowed them one run, um, and you know that's that's what the pitching staff needs to do if we're going to win ball, ball games. So yeah, yeah, and I uh, I'll keep coming back to, it, and it's not to you know downplay anything with this series with the Mariners, but. Um... Uh, the Astros just the Astros offense just doesn't look good. Like it just it looks out of sorts of places. Um, you know I think for as bad as we talk about the Mariners offense being right, um, JP Crawford has a better OPS than Jeremy Pena. Um, Teoscar has a better OPS than Jose Abreu. Like there's just guys that are, are supposed to be really stepping up in the Astros side of things that they're just not doing it. Then again, not to downplay what the Mariners I think did in the series, but um, I think it just shows how vulnerable they are. And if we could just get on a streak here, I think there is a chance, right? Maybe um, maybe if the Astros get Jordan and those guys back, maybe there's a different story there, but I think that they are vulnerable, and I think you know this game and this series, I think it showed that. So, um, but yeah, they just didn't do... Just had a hard time getting anything going against Georgia in this game, and especially as the series went along. So, um, yeah, they're just not as good. I don't know how you're feeling if they're just not as... I don't know. There's definitely certainly not the Astros of old, it seems like. Yeah, certainly not the Astros of old. I mean, uh, friend of the show, Cody Essman, keeps saying they're a second-half team. I tend to believe them. I think, you know, they're going to get Jordan back. They're probably going to get Altuve back. And they're going to get some of their pitching staff back. Not all of them. You know, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers, they're both shut down for the season. But Framber's going to come back healthy. We know for certain that Framber's not going to start or play in the All-Star game. Dusty's made that pretty clear. Um, you know, why would we have him pitch for a – exhibition game when he needs to get healthy, which makes sense. I mean, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm certainly still going to be, every time we play him, going to kind of be, you know, put my guard up because they're certainly a team that we can go three for four against, and there's a team, they're a team that we can get swept by, you know, essentially. So, Moving on, Bo, um, you know, in that, that game, the offense looked pretty good. You know, obviously the score is five runs. Five runs was enough to get us the win. And uh, Gino, Eugenio Suarez, was kind of the uh, the guy that was able to make that happen. Um, two home runs. Uh, his, uh, what was it? He's now got 11. So he hit his 10th and 11th in the game. Hit one in the second inning. Hit one in the ninth inning off of uh, Rafael Montero, which I've got a question about him for you in a second. But uh, he got a couple home runs. JP hit a home run. Um, and, you know, just other guys contributing tonight and uh, getting us the win. It was good to see, especially Gino getting those two home runs. Yeah, definitely. I think Gino, um, Gino and JP Crawford over the last 30 days have been, um, I think, uh, in addition to Mike Ford, um, <clears throat> best offensive players we've had, right? And they're uh, they're really surging. I think uh, you look, kind of look at your offensive war totals over the last 30 days, and the Mariners are kind of tops in some of those, right? So it's really good to see, I think, Eugenio getting warmed up and then JP kind of continuing the offensive surge that he's had this year. Yeah, it, JP is just – he's 
been one of my favorite players this season. Just watching what he's been doing, um, I you know it's hard to speculate who the team leader is, but I, I would have to, you know, if I had to make a hunch, make a guess, it'd probably be him. He's just kind of doing everything, playing some pretty decent defense up the middle, coming around with the bat, probably the best bat we've seen from him since he joined the Mariners. So, uh, you know, good ups on JP. Um, you know, outside of uh, Gino and JP, um, Cal Raleigh was the only other one to get a, get a hit. So, um, you know, Mariners, oh, and Julio. Julio did get a hit too. So, four Mariners came away with hits. Um, six hits on the game. Ended up getting five runs out of it. Um, they did K 11 times, a little bit high. And uh, Mike Ford and Tom Murphy both grounded into a double play. Um, first game in a while that we've seen that. Um, but, you know, they just didn't get a lot of runners on. One for four and runners, with runners in scoring position, four people left on base. So they did just enough because the pitching staff came out and, and really, really um, did a good job of keeping the game, you know, not even really close. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the team is, uh, the team is built to hit home runs. Right, like uh, the team is built to do that, and that's what we did in this game. And you know, sometimes you just don't need you don't need an explosion of hits to score a lot of runs. Sometimes, right? If you get a couple guys on and come up with some timely home runs, that you need, and that's what this team was kind of built to do. So, um, classic kind of team win, I would say here. So. Yep, I would I would even classify the next one as a team win. Um, game two, they went in and uh, got a ten one victory. Um, really, really. You know, put it to the Astros, and uh, it was good to see because, um, you know, I thought Luis in the last few starts has looked a little bit shaky, like at times, probably not an all-star pitcher, but, uh, you know, he came in in Friday's game, and, and you know, as as we've put it, um, with the Astros, he kind of looked like the Luis of old, you know. Um, didn't have any walks this game. Only K three again. The, that's one thing the Astros, you know, kind of seems to be the uh, the thing with them is they don't strike out a ton. You know, throughout the whole game, this Friday game, only four strikeouts. So two games, seven strikeouts. That's like that's like the total through like five innings through the Mariners sometimes. So yeah, they're pretty. They put good swings on the ball. I'll give them that, but. Um... And I think it's part of the reason why I think everybody, again, well, already said this, but, you know, Kirby mixed up his pitch mix in this game. I think Luis in this game was relied less on his fastball like he usually does. I think he's, for the season, he's usually been running around like 45%, I think, four-seamer. And in this one, I think he was, yeah, 30%. So he a little, a little bit more reliance upon the two-seamer and through the slider a little bit more. So um, trying to get some more swings and misses from them. But, uh, yeah, they're a fairly disciplined team. But, um yeah, I like Luis in this game. I think he's I think he's primed to uh, I think have a pretty good second half. I know that you've been a little unimpressed with him so far. I think he's going to be just fine. I think going into going into the break, and then I think for the rest of the year. So, um, and again, uh, another solid pitching performance in this game. Um, I think the we already kind of mentioned Isaiah Campbell, but I thought that was the that was one of the nice moments I think um, mm-hmm. from this pitching staff as well in this game was uh, him getting that as well. So. Yep, yep. Luis Castillo came in, got seven innings pitched, five hits, one run. The run wasn't even earned, so it's like he had a shutout. Didn't affect his ERA. <laughs> um, three Ks in the game, dropped his ERA to 2.85. Looked good. Isaiah Campbell came in, first uh, first inning in the big leagues, and he ended up, you know, no hits, had a strikeout. Looked good. And then Saucedo came in, you know, Kind of, kind of does what he does. Gives us an inning. Doesn't walk anyone. Doesn't strike out anyone. Doesn't give up a hit. Was just there. Closed out the game. So, all in all, another great pitching performance for the Mariners. And uh, you know, it they didn't even really have to break a sweat because the offense uh, had a uh, very fun time against old Phil Maton. <laughs> this is the one game that we actually were able to tune in a little bit for. We were at Bo's house. Um, Cody, me and him, and we had uh, Bo's son Xander playing on his little uh, his little tractor, and uh, that inning was just fun to watch. What was it? The fourth? I think it was the fourth. It was the fourth or the fifth. Just fun to watch because old Phil Maton was uh, not doing too hot. Phil, Phil Maton was having a rough go of things. Yeah, Phil Maton was. Uh... <clears throat> 
the, the hit pitch of Eugenio made me made me laugh. I think probably the most because Phil was Phil Phil looked sad. Phil didn't look upset. Phil just looked straight up just sad of just how bad he was pitching. So um, no, a lot of fun. I think especially when you can beat the Astros like we did and they just kind of fall apart like they did in that inning. Especially um, a lot of fun to watch. So uh, and I think credit to the Mariners. I think before Phil even got there was that they really got to Hunter Brown in this game, um, mm-hmm. even though he was he was the. He had, he generated a lot of you know strikeouts and a lot of good swings and misses against the Mariners, but um, you know we were able to I think you know push that pitch count up and if there's an area definitely I would say the um, the bullpen for the Astros has not been I think as dominant so like getting to him out of the game I think it was important to get to Phil Maton so um, I think credit to the Mariners again in this game just uh, running the pitch count up against Hunter and getting to that uh, to that vulnerable I would say uh, the Astros bullpen. Well, isn't it kind of crazy that? Uh... You know, you look at all these big reliever um, contracts that were given out this year, and you look at Eddie Diaz. He's not pitching the whole season because he got hurt. But look at Rafael Monteros. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said it to Cody when we were watching the condensed game for Sunday's game, and Rafael Montero currently is sporting a six ERA. He just got paid a butt ton of money. They backed up the Brinks truck to sign him, and he is not providing any value whatsoever right now. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we always mention how just uh, volatile relief pitching can be, right? And um, and uh, like Rafael Montero is a, a prime example of that. There's other ones, and it's a, you know, it's a good reason why Jerry and team call up guys out of the minor leagues because they think that um, Isaiah Campbell very well might be something or Praline or Rivera eventually could be something. So they think that, you know, one of those guys could be just uh, just as good as some relief arm that they pick up. And you know, granted, they did give Nuno's a big contract, but I think that might be a little bit of a different story. But no, um, Montero falling apart like he has um, <clears throat> with the contract that he did, I think, is a prime example of why you don't overpay for relief pitching. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it was kind of funny in this game to see that happen. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Offensively, Mariners. You know, we, we're talking about the Astros pitching not looking well. Uh, Mariners' offense did pretty well for themselves. Ended up with 13 hits on the day. You know, led to 10 runs. Um, Julio, Julio, Colton Wong, and Kelnick all had doubles. Um, Julio was his 18th double. Um, Oh, and, excuse me, Mike Ford. Can't forget about Mike Ford. Mike Ford had his third double. Wong had his fifth. Kelnick had his 21st. And then uh, Mike Ford kind of had to uh, have a little bit of a redemption game because he got ejected. Um, you know, in the first game. So he comes back out in the second game, has a double and a home run. The home run came in the ninth inning. Um, you know, we, we've been talking up Mike Ford, and he's looking the part. He went three for three in this game, four RBIs, walked twice, you know, you know, he was on base five times. And uh, he's sporting a two eighty two batting average right now. Yeah, 282, and I pulled it up here. Over the last 30 days, he is batting over 300, so like 300 with uh, 181 WRC+. plus. So Mike Ford surging to <laughs> surging to be uh, um, one of the Mariners' best hitters. So uh, um, And talk about the story with Mike Ford. It's like, <clears throat> you know, he had the decision of, and he forced the Mariners' hand to do it, right? Of like, I'm just going to walk, and the Mariners said, oh, well, here, well, we'll see what happens. And uh, he's just been... Uh, I think between like his offensive performance and him also pitching, it's just been uh, it's just been a fun story with Mike Ford um, as it, far as the season itself. It's just so wild to me that last year, you know, he kind of bounced around. He was on the Mariners a couple times. He played for the Angels. I think he played for the Blue Jays at one point. Like he went to five different teams. Um, they asked him, you know, after he, you know, he was kind of in Triple N. They asked him like, "How was it playing for that many teams?" And he was like, "It was terrible." Like out of all the days that, you know, I could have spent home, I think I spent 18 days at home. The rest were in a hotel room, you know. So I think, you know, he probably took that a little bit and was like, I need to do something, and he he's contributing. He contributed at the AAA level. They, he forced the Mariners' hand, comes up, and he he's, you know, the best hitter on this Mariners' team right now, at least in the last, what you say, 30 days? Probably the best hitter in the last 30 days. Him and, him and Teo are right there. Yeah, last 30 days, and um, <clears throat> you could probably make a case for Tom Murphy, but less games, I would say, from the Tom Murphy side. So, um, But uh, 
We keep telling, we keep talking about Tom Murphy, and Tom Murphy just needs to play more. <laughs> just, just do something. You know, it's put Mike forward at first. You know, move Ty France to second. Play some France at second. Put Mike Ford at first. Get Tom Murphy in there as the DH. Yeah, no, I'd be, I'd be down. I'd be down for all that. But uh... <laughs> now, just, just good for the Mariners' offense on Friday. Um, Julio did ground into a double play, um, but Julio did also go two for six with two RBIs, so didn't look too bad. Runners in scoring position on Friday's game: six for thirteen, ten left on base. Um, but that's going to happen when you know you you just continuously move the line. So, yep. And I, uh, and you know, I think the it'll get a little lost in the the score of the game here. Um, but uh, you know, Julio had I think a, a pretty nice defense, like a catch out in the outfield in this game. Um, Eugenio had a um, really nice, um, I think, run saving grab on third base. Um, and I think Colton Wall got charged an error, but it was very kind of, I would say, borderline air play. But uh, very good defensive game as well in this one. This one, so I would just say um, there. It seems like the Mariners are tightening things up a little bit. That's what I was saying. It seems like and uh, it's all just all positive. I think from from all facets in the game of this game, the yesterday game, and I think you know both of the series as a whole. So I thought this was one of the best defensive games of the year, coupled with one of the better offensive ones as well. I, it's definitely good to see guys like Colton Wong kind of get off the schneid, um, you know, for the game. He, uh, you know, didn't do well, especially, what was it, Boston? I know we, we you know, you really reamed him in Boston for, um, you know, some of the defensive struggles he had. So it's nice to see him kind of bounce back. And he's looking a little bit more comfortable. You know, he's not obviously still hitting the best, but he's hitting here and there. And, and he's showing that he might have some value, um, you know, for this team as we go forward. we still got a whole second half of the season. You know, it could be Colton Wong turns it around a little bit. So let's not talk, you know, let's let's knock on wood. Let's not jinx that or anything, but hopefully he's coming back. So, um, and as you noted in the notes here, you know, the last stat for this Friday game, first time since 2018 with consecutive wins in Houston. That is, that's huge. That's huge. Like, um, you know, 2018, um, that was was five years ago. It feels like a a long time ago. (laughs) Five years ago when the team was, yeah, when the team was surging in 2018 and kind of all thought that they were going to make the playoffs that year. But, uh, yeah, it's just just massive. Again, speaks to, I think the Mariners are, not that far, not as far away from the Astros as we all kind of I think believe they are right I think we are we're close we're closer we're again we're closer to the Astros than we are the Athletics or the Royals or anything like that right so we are right there and uh, yeah we'll we'll see I think you know once the season goes along and especially after the break kind of where this team is sitting yeah I I certainly think we're on the Angels level right now with uh, their struggles um, I don't know if I, I I think we showed you this. Um, Otani had like two home runs the other night, and they still lost by like five runs. So the classic, the classic show. Otani hits <clears throat> five home runs and strikes out twenty, and Angels still lose the game. Yeah, yep. something like yep. that. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and I would say uh, I looked this up recently. The Mariners' playoff odds. I've now jumped. We've now jumped the Angels in the playoff odds via FanGraph. So. Um, we're at twenty three percent to make the playoffs right now, which I think that's higher than it's been in a couple weeks. So yep. um, I think we're trending in the right way, right? And if I told you a twenty three percent chance you're gonna win the lottery, right? That's pretty good, pretty good chance. I would say it's still you know still got some hoops that we got to jump through there, but twenty three percent is pretty good. Yeah. All I'm thinking in my head is the Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance? Speaking speaking of Showway. Um, and, and we're going to kind of dive into some of the sights and sounds that we saw from the All-Star break so far. But um, did you see with Shohei when he went and pitched his bullpen session that they were chanting for him to come to Seattle it, in the bullpen? I'm sure they were. Um, try. You, you, can, you can try. You can, you can try all you want. You can try all you want, but it's not going to happen. Sorry. Dude, Ryan Sorry. Divish thinks it could happen. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Do you want to go off on a tangent about Ryan Divish? 
not not in this particular episode. Maybe later. Maybe later. <laughs> but um, give it up. Give it up. It's not happening. It's like it's like the Mean Girls thing, right? Like quit trying to make Fetch happen. Quit trying to make Shohei Otani happen. It's just not going to happen. I hate to I hate to be the doomer about this, but it's not going to happen. I don't think I've ever heard you say don't try to make Fetch happen. That that's weird to me. Weird to me. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. I did see it in theaters. Oh, okay. I did see it in theaters. It was. I saw it with my mom. <laughs> uh, moving on to Saturday's game. Um, you know, again, Mariners couldn't get the sweep, and this was the game that kind of... Um, it wasn't a bad game. Like, from yeah, from a pitching standpoint, the game was good. Brian Wu did have kind of a rough first inning, but, you know, you gave up two in the first, and then the rest of the way, they score one, like... That if if the offense steps up a little bit, that easily could have been a win. <clears throat> yeah, very and uh, yeah, you kind of just feel with this Mariners offense that like we have yeah, you know, kind of after a couple high games, right? You're just kind of expected to have a little bit of a lower one. Kind of just unfortunately, that's kind of like the way the Mariners offense works. And um, only had a couple hits in this game. Um, wasn't able to string a lot together. Granted, we were going up against Framber, who I thought we actually did a relatively good job against. I think he only gave us yeah twelve swings and misses in this game. So um, I think we did a pretty good job against him. It's just that I don't think the offense could quite put it all together in this one. But um, yeah, to your point, you know Brian Wu, um, two seamer sinker heavy in this game, um, did a really good job. I think against the Astros, um, I think limiting a lot of hard contact for the most part after that first inning. So. You did what you needed to do. It just, uh, yeah, I think in this game we just used a lot of offense in the previous two games and wasn't able to get enough in this one. Yep, yep. Um, overall, good game for him. Um, you know, uh, he didn't even pick up the loss. But Brian Wu, six innings, three hits, two runs, only one of them earned, one base on balls, four Ks. Again, we're talking about national teams. They isn't striking out a lot. They only had six Ks this game. But, um, you know, still put us in position to, to kind of battle for that victory. And if it wasn't for, God, I hate saying this, uh, Martin Maldonado home run. Otha Munoz. Unforgivable. Uh, I, uh, the dude's hitting like 160. <clears throat> well, what, are we, what are we doing there? I think Martin Maldonado gets treated kind of like the pitcher did, right? When the pitcher back in the day, do you remember? You remember when the pitcher used to hit? You remember? You remember those? Yeah. Remember those days in the, yep. in the yep. NL and the before a long, long time ago? Yep. Um, I think they. I think people treat Martin Maldonado like the pitcher sometimes, right? Because he is just he's he's there to catch primarily, right? And uh, I think this was an example of that for the Menudos, and you know, I think we did give up another one to him the next day, so we probably didn't treat Maldonado like we should have, but. Uh, Man, just unforgivable. Just of all the people to give up a home run to, it's just uh, it's just the absolute worst one to give up a home run to. So yeah, yeah. But what do you do? Can't win them all. Um, offensively, like like you said, Bo, only five hits. Uh, the Mariners committed a noble tiger in the eighth. You want to um, treat our fans to what noble tiger stands for again? Um, I always forget. I always forget the middle part. But yeah, it's no outs, bases loaded. Ending with team incapable of getting easy run. So, there you go. I yep. don't think it's an official stat, so I don't know many how we've tracked this year, but we've certainly had a couple. That that happened only a couple games ago where uh, Noble Tiger was on the mind, and I, did, I said something, and it jinxed it. I didn't say anything this time, and I couldn't jinx it. And so it's your fault. It's it's my fault. It's my fault. Got it. I, I'm, I, I should have said something. I didn't even see the game. I think... What was a Saturday's game? So we were. Oh, what were we doing? Futures game. Futures game, celebrity softball game. Yep. So we were kind of focused on that. So, my bad, guys. I, I caused the Mariners to lose this game. Dang it! But, mm-hmm. um, JP, Teo, Tom Murphy, and Caballero, um, all got hits. Caballero was kind of the, um, if if you want to pick the MVP of the game for the Mariners, um. Hitting-wise, Caballero was kind of the, the MVP. He went two for four, um, had one run, one RBI, but um, as you put in the notes, elite stolen base machine. Elite stolen base machine. Actually, I think this was something that when, when uh, Cody was on, he had a good observation of, of talking about just how fast Jose Caballero is. And just uh, um, I feel like the manner should just continue to run him, 
right? Whenever he's on, he's drawn a lot of walks right now. Um, I'd be happy with them putting him um, somewhere in the batting order, even a little higher, right? Just try to get somebody on base in front of Julio, in front of Ty France, etc. There. Um, yeah, try to draw him a walk and immediately think about him trying to take second at this point. I think that's kind of going to be his best skill set that he can provide. I think he's you know had some good hits, but I think his his speed is absolutely the thing that I think is going to keep him on this team and help him keep contributing. Yeah, he was a 15th stolen base of the season. Um, you know, he played what half the first half, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility he gets 40, 50 steals. Uh, you know, uh, at least he's on pace for it. Um, he certainly probably won't lead. I think Julio's going to be leading the team in that department. But, um, you know, good to see Caballero kind of contributing a little bit this game because he has kind of slumped a little bit with the bat, only hitting two thirty three. But um, runners in scoring position, 2 for 8. Team left on base, 10. Um, just not going to cut it. And um, you move on to the next one. You just hope that, uh, that uh, <clears throat> you know, you can – turn the offense around and kind of turn it up on Sunday. And uh, while they didn't turn it up, it led to a victory. Um, Sunday's game, 3-1 victory. Um, Logan Gilbert, um, I don't think his stock is higher right now. He's uh, given up one run in the last two starts. Um, did you hear, Bo, that um, in the eighth inning of the game against the Giants where he pitched a complete game, no hitter, or complete game, no hitter. We show it was a complete game, no hitter. A uh, complete game shutout that um, pitching coach walked to the bullpen phone to uh, call the bullpen, and the team started chanting for Logan mm-hmm. and likely kind of contributed to Logan getting the uh, ninth inning call. I heard that. I heard that, yeah. So, um, which is uh, which is awesome, right? That's uh <clears throat> I would. Uh, I could only imagine like the level of how that would feel to Logan, right? That they have the support and everything else there to do that. So, um, but you talk about a guy that's just cruising right now, and uh, yeah, you talk about his stock, and he's kind of had. He's he's another one that I think he's had a couple, couple of rougher games where I think his stock was a little lower after the game, but um, I think this is just showing. Um, this game in particular with him, right, uh, and coupled with the last one, um, just where he where he can eventually go someday of being, you know, I think our how I don't know how would you would define our George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, Luis, like um, like from a standpoint of like a one two three, right? I don't even know if it even fits perfect, right? Because they're probably all at least two starters, right? But um, yeah, coming into his own, and um, I think in this game in particular. Uh, the splitter, the knuckle curve, all his pitches were working for the most part, and um, yeah, I just uh, I just can't say enough about the pitching staff and where we're going. I just wonder what that means for the future on the side of things, but we can worry about that another day. Just uh, enjoy Logan Gilbert like we can, like we did in this game. Yep. He gave us seven innings, three hits, one run. It was earned. Um, had six Ks, most Ks of the uh, series for the Astros this game with eight Ks. Um, his only blemish was a home run off of, I hate to say it, Martin Maldonado got one in this game too. But, um, you know, you take that away, um, Logan Gilbert pitched a pretty impeccable game. So good on Logan, good on old Walter, you know. Um, and, again, I think that just is going to lead to good things um, in the second half. Matt Brash picked up the hold in the game. Uh, a hold in the game, um, one inning, had one K, didn't give up a hit, run, nothing. Um, Brash is looking a little bit better. I think he didn't give up an inherited runner, you know, which is good to see. <laughs> um, and then uh, Paul Seawald came in, had his 17th save of the season, uh, pitched one inning, did have one walk, but struck out two and, and got the Mariners out of Houston with a 3-4 victory. So pitching staff-wise, looked great. Um, offensively, only able to muster six hits. Six hits led to a, a win, though. Mike Ford, Teo, Kelnick, and Raleigh all had doubles, so four of the six hits were, were um, extra base hits. Good to see. Teo had his 50th RBI of the season. Kelnick had two RBIs, so he's got 41 on the season. Not bad. Not bad. He, um, Let's see. Kelnick's hitting about 245 now, so he's, his average still has decreased, but still contributing. Good to see. 
And uh, he did ground into a double play, though. So, <laughs> um, Team runners in scoring position, 2 for 15. Only left 6 on. And Julio got his 22nd stolen base. So, that was just enough to get the Mariners over the hump. Take the 3-1 victory. Take the series 3-4. Uh, like you said, it was probably one of the best series of the season. One of the best series. Um, one of the best pitch series, I think, certainly of the year. And, um, yeah, unfortunately we haven't had a whole lot of success in Houston over the last uh, couple of years. Um, and uh, it just uh, just feels good to win one, let's put it that way, So, um, especially in Houston. So um, very, uh, very, uh, very positive series where I think our, our good vibes anyways, I think from this series we're good, especially coming out of it, um, you know, beating the Astros like we did. Yep. It, it's certainly been good vibes for us. You know, it's good seeing the Astros win, but, like, um, you know, there's just been a lot at this this All-Star game that it's kind of proud to be a, a Mariners fan. Julio Julio might not have won the home run derby, but he set the single round record with 41 home runs in the, the first round, which was awesome to see. He was automatic in the first round, and I think we all predicted it, like, he was going to flame out because he was going to have to hit a lot of home runs. And and as much as it, you know, it, it still was loud. It was still loud at the home run derby, even when he wasn't hitting home runs. Yeah, no, the, it was it was incredibly loud. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to it's, – it's difficult to compare to loudness, right? I'm trying to think of, you know, went to the uh, the playoff game last year. But uh, it, was, it was an electric, like, atmosphere in there when Julio was – when Julio was at bat and um, – yeah, very different from your normal game, right? Obviously, because it's you know it's basically advanced batting practice in a way. But um, I had uh, I had a lot of fun. I wish we I wish the outcome would have been a little different, but uh, it kind of flamed out. And I don't know. Maybe he'll get one someday. Maybe he just needs to practice it a little bit, like Pete Alonso or you know Johannes Cespedes back in the day, right? Of um, trying to trying to measure himself or relax himself a little bit to try to save some energy for the night later rounds. But um, now, what did you think of the? What did you think of the atmosphere? What did you think of? Um, I guess you know Julio in general during the home run derby. You know, I wasn't at the the playoff game last year, so that probably was the most Mariners. Well, at least Mariners fans in that stadium at one time. Um, I mean, there's a very big contingent of Mariners fans last night, obviously, um, but I, that's probably the. I mean, last night and tonight was probably the two events that. I'm going to go to that are like the most people ever that I've seen at T-Mobile. Um, it was so crowded. took us an hour to get out of there, just walk into the tram. Um, but it was such a fun experience, you know, just seeing the Home Run Derby live. It doesn't really pick it up ever on the the uh, TV broadcast when they're, sh- they're showing it. But there's music going. It, it's a party almost, you know. You get to watch someone try to hit home runs as they're playing freaking Drake and stuff like that, which is kind of fun to see. You know, kids are having a good time. I can't imagine being like 10, 11 years old and going to that. Like, that would be just, that would be the best thing ever in my mind. Like, I'm not going to shut up about it. I'm 31 years old. Like, I, I don't feel like you'd shut up about it if you were 10 years old for like a year. Yeah, no. Uh, 100% agree. It's, uh, it was, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I have been to, in 2015, I think I went to, uh, the one where Todd Frazier, um, went, one in Cincinnati. So I was, uh, that was a pretty nice experience and it was fairly loud in there and, you know, it was, it was, he was a red at the time. So it was kind of special. So I was kind of hoping that Julio would do something similar, but, um, I certainly thought that the, the atmosphere during Julio, especially when he was putting up 41 at the time was, Far above what it was there for Todd Frazier in 2015, so um, just uh, wish you could have won it. Wish you could have won it. Wish you could have brought it home, but that's okay. There was a lot of a uh, lot of high fives from uh, different people. I think even you high five someone that we didn't even know at one point. Um, it was just fun to see um, Julio do that. This this whole All Star experience has been really fun. Um, there there is one thing that we immediately said when we walked into Play Ball Park. Um, for those of you that didn't come to the All-Star Game, Play Ball Park was at, held at Lumen Field, where where the stadium sit, 
you got T-Mobile, and then right next to it is the football field where the Seahawks play Lumen Field, and they turned in, they turned Lumen Field into the um, you know the, the play ball experience. You're you're going in. They've got exhibits. Um, they had a bat that was sold recently for 1.8 million. That was a Babe Ruth bat. Um, they've got exhibits. They've got batting practice. They've got a test your speed booth. They've got Tops truck. There was just so much there. But one thing that the thing that we immediately noticed when we walked into Play Ball Park was the amount of stuff that Julio had. I I, I am fairly certain that regardless if he was having a good season or not, Julio was going to be in that game. Not just the home run derby. He was going to be in the All Star game. Yeah. No, we should have. <clears throat> I think, uh, yeah, I think we should probably looked at it based on merit probably too much, right? And uh, at the end of the day, it is an exhibition game, right? Um, and it, uh, yeah, it was very obvious from uh, exclusive J-Rod top set, tops card, and, and uh, they were handing out Julio bobbleheads the other day. It was very clear that he was always going to be in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe despite uh, what his season was going to do. Um, and listen, look, he, like Julio's had a relatively good season, right? And there is a case you can make on, you know, his defensive value plus his offensive value that, yeah, he could have been an all-star, but there probably are maybe somebody else that was more deserving in there. But, um, again, uh, we've, we've mentioned this before, right? If people are going to vote a lot for people that shouldn't be in the game in the first place, right? I'm okay with Julio making it. And, um, I think it, it honestly made it better. The fact that he was, I think, a vocal part of city and everything at Lumen and everything there, right? So I think it was better overall, especially for the city that Julio was in the game. So I think overall the right choice, again, maybe based upon what he's done this season, he probably doesn't deserve it, but um, I think for the city of Seattle, right, for, for baseball in general, I think it was the right call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for God's sakes, they even had the booth that they put up at T-Mobile Park. It's just a stand with a sign of Julio and you can get pictures by it. Like, they had that set up in there. I mean, I, I don't think it was ever a doubt in anyone's mind he wasn't going to be a part of this game. So, um, what, what's what been your favorite part outside of the Home Run Derby? You take away the Home Run Derby. You know, take away all the games. What's what's the coolest thing you saw in Play Ball Park? Um, they had a lot of old cards at Play Ball Park, right? Some of the auction. We didn't put obviously put any money down on the auction stuff, but, like, just seeing some of those, those old cards and um, some of the other memorabilia that was there. Um, that was pretty cool to see. Um, I'm trying to think. They're uh, obviously going to the top truck, getting baseball cards, right? You're like at, you're getting baseball cards at the epicenter of baseball, right, in the world, right? So, like, that's just an experience in and of itself. Um, <clears throat> trying to think. Uh, I really liked that. They had some custom cleats that I think were already drawn on there for, like, um, you know, just guys that are artists or what have you there that were really, really neat to see. Um, and just, uh, yeah, I'm a sucker for memorabilia. I'm a sucker for all that stuff. So um, it's probably the stuff that I like to see the most. But uh, what about you? Anything in particular grabbed your eye or anything you liked the most over there? I, I really liked the exhibits they had, you know, baseball history. Um, you're right, the memorabilia was just off the charts cool. You know, um, they were making, like you said, custom cleats, custom gloves. You wanted something, I mean, it was going to cost you a little bit of money, but they'd do it for you. Kind of cool. Um, the the people that they got for autographs, we, we didn't get, Bo did get an autograph. Let me, let me preface this. Bo did get an autograph. He paid for the autograph. He got a Julio autograph. We're not going to dive into how much you spent for that, but he got a Julio autograph nonetheless. Um, there was times, and you had to reserve for these times for autographs with certain, it was a lot of Mariners legends, but they had other legends that were going, you know, they had Lee Smith at one point, um, you know, stuff like that, but a lot of Mariners legends were doing autographs, and you had to reserve a, a space for it. I thought it was cool um, just seeing them. You know, I walked by, one of my favorite players growing up was Brett Boone. He ended up winning the MVP for the Celebrity Softball game. But, um, you know, just walking by and seeing him, like, five feet from us, like, that was cool. We ended up seeing him later because he hopped in a car outside of (laughs) Lumen Field and we were standing right there like, oh, hey, that's Brett Boone. But, uh, 
you know, it was just cool seeing all those guys. I really wish we could have got a space for uh, Lou Pinella and uh, who else was with him? Was it? It was uh, a Bone. Bone? Yeah. Jay Buhner. That would have been cool to get autographs from them. But, um, again, spaces space is filled up in, like, a minute on the website. Like, like it's like trying to buy tickets for a highly sought-after event. We kept hitting refresh, and then it just went away. So, um, you know, that was cool, though, seeing all those guys. Um, we saw Felix, like, 10, way, 10 feet away from us um, in another car. That was cool. Um but uh, I think my favorite thing at Lumen Field was probably the draft. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, the draft and, uh, you know, seeing, I think, certainly all the Mariners that were drafted, that was cool. But uh, the the atmosphere surrounding old Robbie Manfred and um, mm-hmm. other things there was, uh, was it, fun. It was fun. Right? It's The MLB draft is never going to be the NFL draft or anything like that. Like, the NFL draft drew in, like, 100,000 people into Kansas, Kansas City this year. Like... I would I would say there was probably what ten thousand people at the MLB draft, maybe maybe fifteen thousand. They only had like one section of lumen opened up, and then like kind of the whole floor space towards the stadium. I mean, we're sitting up in the uh, in the lumen field section, but um, God, the two the two loudest eh, I'd say the three loudest pops of the night, good or bad. Um, obviously the first one was all the Mariners getting announced. Um, I think the, the, the coolest part of the draft was, um, they had a special, um, announcer for the first Mariners draft pick, a kid that had beat cancer and was now playing baseball. They invited him up on stage, did excellent with the pick, like wasn't nervous. You could hear him. He had pronounced the name right. It was cool to see. Um, so that was probably the loudest one. You know, he got a pretty good standing ovation. Um, second one was just any time Rob Manfred was on stage. Um, every time. Like, the first time he came out, heavily booed. Heavily booed. It was good to see. But the third time Manfred comes on stage to announce the Astros pick. And I'm really glad that the Astros pick wasn't there. Because I can't imagine walking out. They had a few people that were there that came out on stage after they got announced. But, like, if this kid is, was Bryce Matthews, if he was there, like, he would have got booed vigorously, really bad. Like, it would have been impressive to see. Get used to it, kid. Um, but no, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was, uh, yeah, it's just all part of the experience, right? It was gonna, you know, it was just. What did you expect to happen, right? Yeah. Like, what did you, what did you expect to happen being in uh, Seattle? And they played the Jordan clip before the pick was made. Like, oh you, yeah, you warmed us up. You warmed us up like that. Like, what did you expect to happen there? So, uh, but no, the funniest part for me, yeah, was after the pick was made, and then Rob was having a hard time getting kind of some of the words out, um, and then announces, uh, you know, Raul Banyas taking over the next round, and then. Thunderous applause after that. So that was that was the funniest part for me, anyways. Yeah, yeah, and of course when Raúl comes out, everyone's yelling Raúl, so it kind of sounds like he was getting booed. But yeah, uh, fun to hear, fun to hear, fun to be a part of. Um, only time I've ever been in any situation like that watching a draft. So hopefully not the last. But did you want to go over the draft picks real quickly? Why why we are talking about the draft? Because um, you know, as we stated before, the Mariners had three draft picks going into the draft. Bo was 0 for 3 on any of the picks. <laughs> um, so was I, though. Although I wasn't in, you know, I wasn't as deep into it <laughs> as Bo was. But um, of everyone that Bo previewed, he got none of them right. <laughs> yeah, they all went. They all went way earlier than I thought they were going to go. So. Um... Yeah, I mean, who knows what the Mariners' strategy was in this, but it seems like the college bats that could have probably helped out sooner rather than later that we certainly all previewed went before the Mariners even picked, right? So, um, and maybe their strategy was just like, we knew that these guys were going to be off the board, so we were just going to go super risky, super high end with some of our uh, some of our picks in this, you know, that we had come up coming, and um, <clears throat> yeah, they played the risk game in this, so I like the fact that Jerry's, 
I guess what, what what I was kind of thinking was if like they could try to go a college player, right? That indicates to me that they probably want something that's a little bit more ready to go that we could probably get in the majors sooner rather than later. But um, this leads to me to believe like Jerry and team think that they're going to be there for a long time, right? So um, the fact that they went high end and super risky with these guys, I think uh, I think is a good thing. I think it's a it's a solid thing. I think they they can really kind of develop these guys and get these guys to the next level. So um, Colt Emerson. Uh, Johnny Farmello, Ty Pete, um, and I think we'll probably go over, you know, I think we'll do a deeper dive, I think, into the draft class, I think, a little bit later, but I think these three guys are, um, I think, obviously the most important to talk about. Um, of all these guys, I think I probably like Ty Pete the most. I think he just has, it seems like he probably has some of the better intangibles or the better, I think, more higher ceiling than other guys, but um, I think a challenge with, you know, all these guys is that... Um, they're all. Uh, let me see. I know. I think Cole Emerson just turned eighteen. I don't think Ty P is eighteen yet. Oh, he's and, seventeen. He's seventeen. Yeah, he's. I think he's getting close. I think his birthday's coming up. And then Johnny Formello is just about nineteen. So, um, you know, we're not going to see these guys for a little while unless we have a major breakout, which I think Jerry and team might be hunting for as well as just somebody to, um, <clears throat> I think, kind of hit on one of those major breakouts. So, coupled with Cole Young last year, the 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 lower minors is pretty stocked full now, and. Um, yeah, I just think that there's a, I just think that there's a decent chance that one or two of these guys ends up breaking out, right? I don't think, you know, I think it's, I think it's not, I wouldn't say dumb, but I think it's uh, surely short-sighted to say like they're all going to be hits, right? And if they all are hits, great. But um, I think maybe one or two of these guys ends up, you know, becoming maybe a Mariner. One or two of these guys maybe ends up becoming trade bait. So, um, but uh, I think a very good, a very good, I think high-end risky group of here that I think could be. Um, you know, very valuable, I think, in the future. I think that's the that's the big thing here. Is I think this was very much a still planning for the future draft, so um, long term draft, long term future that is. So um, I like the picks. Um, they went, I think, different than I think a lot of people thought they were going to go. So um, uh, you know, I think overall, looking forward to seeing kind of where these guys are going to start at and kind of following them, you know, through their Mariner early Mariner career, anyways. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun to fun to watch them. You know, especially since we were there. I think that's going to hold a little bit more merit in, like, Bow and I's minds because we, we watched them get picked. So um, certainly going to remember these guys and, and hope to see them break out a little bit. So I know, Bo, we put Mariners versus Tiger preview on this. Um, you know, depending on what happens at the All-Star game, looks like Kirby, Gilbert, and Castillo are going to get the start, one, two, three. Um, and we're gonna probably see the best of the Tigers, but we're running a little hot tonight, so um, we're gonna we're gonna table that until next week when we get the review. Um, like I said, we are gonna um, take Thursday off. I will be traveling. Bo's going back to work. He's gonna have to get back into the swing of things. So this is gonna be our only episode for the week. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the All Star Game, but we're gonna have a big episode next week talking about, um, you know, a couple different series. We're going to talk about the Tiger series and who is after the Tigers, Bo? Um, let's see. Who is after the Tigers? Um, the Blue Jays come to town the next weekend after. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get tickets for that game? Um, probably not. Probably not. Too many uh, too many uh, people from Vancouver coming over. So then we face Minnesota. So it goes Detroit, Minnesota, and then Toronto. So and those are all in Minnesota and Detroit are in? All at T-Mobile, yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Bo, um, been an action-packed episode. Uh, you got anything else for our viewers before we get out of here? Nothing for me. Looking forward to the All-Star game. I, I am too. So um, come back next week and we'll talk about the All-Star game. I know I said I was going to get pictures up. I'm going to get pictures up. I just have a butt-ton of them, and I need to go through them and kind of sort them by albums. So they're going to get up. You know, just give me until probably after the All-Star game, and, and I'll take a look at them. I'll get them up. So For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week.
Thank you.